0: Where are you from? If I knew, I wouldn't stutter between throwing two questions back at you, originally or where I live now. Because when I'm asked about my identity, I'm lost. I have an Eastern body, but a Western mind. And the day those two meet in the middle will be the day my soul will taste peace in simple response to your simple question. That was a poem I had written a very long time ago when I actually visited Germany. And I was at the Brandenburg Gate, and where it's most iconically known... um, as is to symbolize Berlin's Cold War division into East and West, which I didn't know that at the time. I just thought it was a pretty picture to take, you know, of a, of a gate standing in front of it. Um, but it really inspired me to write that um, and reflect on what it means to be Eastern yet living in the West.
1: Thank you, Amanda, for sharing that beautiful poem. Welcome back to another episode of A to Z. My name is Zhao,
0: And I'm Amanda.
1: And today we're gonna talk about maintaining our culture while living in a Western society. So I thought that as both immigrants, we would talk about the pressures to conform and our experiences with assimilation. So I was just wondering if you could share experience growing up as an immigrant and how you dealt with that.
0: I don't even know where to start with that because it's a whole identity thing. Like, it's, like it like, takes up a huge part of my life knowing that um, who I am and where I am now is so divided. It's just, it's such a big thing um, that I think a lot of immigrants are either aware of, and some of us aren't until even like, like maybe till they die, even they don't realize it. But um, I'm fortunate enough to realize that there is a tension um, between uh, my identity as an Iraqi woman um, and as a Canadian now, as a Canadian citizen. So. I've been a Canadian citizen for about, I don't know, 15 years, I want to say. could be wrong. I've just, I felt Canadian for 15 years. Um, and yeah, so I think in terms of my identity, I, that's what I identify as today. Um, and we can talk about it a little further. Yeah,
1: I feel like all people have different types of stories. And for my parents, we decided to immigrate out of China for opportunity and to also maybe get out of the confines of the Chinese government, who has a much more traditional and restrictive governance in terms Mm. of how it controls its people. So my identity was also very complex because I grew up valuing a lot of traditions that my parents thought were important. And thought that it had a lot of value for our Eastern ideals and how they wanted me to still understand a lot of the culture and heritage behind what it means to be a Chinese person. While I also faced a lot of education experience in terms of growing up with Western values and beliefs as well, just through the education system and interacting with my peers. And I think everyone has a different story for why they decided to leave their country Mm. and arrive to a new one. Uh, what specifically made you leave your country?
0: Oh, yes. Um, that's a good starting point to actually talk about. Um, so, my family were Iraqi, and another identity facet to us is that we're Christian, and we experienced a whole lot of persecution back in Iraq. And we had experienced a whole lot of discrimination, mostly my parents, um, because uh, my brother and I were very young. So, um, but I do remember the stories. I remember, um, the experiences that they would share with others about, um, just the persecution they experienced in Iraq. Um, and on top of that, we all know Iraq is just war torn and it's just not a place to raise a family at this point. I've never been back there since I left um i don't think it's safe enough especially as a woman alone so that's what brought us out and we have a really wild story because we didn't initially go from just iraq to canada my my dad had to go through um africa and work in the united nations there um in order for us to just actually get out like that was his ticket out um especially with our family so he brought us along (laughs) it was a journey i remember a lot about africa and there was still trauma there um yeah, so then we ended up here in 2005. Um, it's funny, our story was actually, like, in the local newspaper because of, like, when we became citizens, oh. Canadian citizens. Yeah, it was, like, a really big deal to us because it was just, wow, we finally found a country where we feel safe. And yet, at the same time, that's when so much problems started. Mm-hmm. It's so weird, like, how oh, I could go on about how, how strange or... Um, different it is to to live here compared to you know a country like iraq and and what that brings as well as well as as much as it's great to be safe and democracy and everything it still has its struggles which is quite interesting i think
1: so mm-hmm. i feel the same there's so much of this narrative where as immigrants we should feel very grateful that the government took us in because we are living a life in which there is a lot more freedom. There's freedom of speech, there's Mm -hmm. democracy, and none of us have to fear persecution from Mm. the government. And there is a lot of privilege in that, that I recognize as an immigrant. But at the same time, we can't just be blind to the follies of the government and sometimes the immigration experience too. Mm. And it's not exclusive to just being an immigrant. Landing here, we find a lot of racism and discrimination even in a Western society. And as immigrants, we grew up with a very different upbringing. So there's always that conflict that I feel like it's really hard to reconcile between Mm. in terms of how you have these values that you've brought from your heritage and your culture, Mm. and how do you connect that with the values and beliefs of the West?
0: Yeah, oh my gosh. It's honestly like a lifetime journey, I think, for every immigrant. Um, it's trying to hold on to who you are or who you, who you were born as versus who you have to be today. You know, it's a very interesting um, dynamic of growth, like even just growing up is different. Um, I could. S- there's so many stories of when I was in school and how my immigrantness was different. You know, made me different than my peers because, like, I don't know, values like not sleeping over <laughs> and like things like that. I missed out on on a, a lot. Um, not that's not to say it was either a good thing or a bad thing. Like, there's, you know, I'm thankful to my parents for how they've raised me and how they've managed to even get through a new society and and adapt and keep us safe at the same time like I'm so thankful um but there is just so much um that has happened throughout my life that that has made me distinguish that there's a difference between how I've grown up as an immigrant versus somebody who just grew up in their own country um I I often question or think to myself like I wonder how life would have been if I just was born in Iraq lived in Iraq was raised you know had a family there and whatever like would I have similar tensions would I have um I don't know more global outlook or not like it's just so interesting you know
1: I totally feel that because as immigrants we have a very broad perspective in understanding how it feels to grow up in different cultures Mm. and I guess we were lucky and also unlucky in the sense that neither of us stayed in our home country where we were born for very long before we immigrated to Canada right so we weren't able to embed ourselves as much in the culture. So as much as I can speak Mandarin, oftentimes I have difficulties writing it mm. and understanding some of the historical some of the cultural nuances behind what China's motives and actions are.
0: Yeah. Oh, language is so big. Like once you lose your language and, and oftentimes a lot of immigrants do, you just lose so much like a part that's part of you, you mm-hmm. know? Um, I've, i often struggled. I, I, only understand Arabic. Like I don't write or read in Arabic. I wish I did. Um, and I also have a Syrian in me, not, not Assyrian, Syrian, a Syrian. <laughs> a Syrian. <laughs> we'll get into that some other time, but it's a whole other, um, culture. It's, it's the indigenous people of Iraq and I've off, I've never had the chance to really connect well, um, first i didn't have the opportunity to be raised around that language my my mom's side of the family never grew up around me we they were in iraq not not until recently so um it's been often like very even though i wasn't raised in iraq i still feel iraqi because of the people around me right like my family or the church community i grew up in uh, very middle eastern so it's uh yeah it, 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 it almost feels like I need to learn my language in order to fully fit in or fully adapt to that culture. Versus, Cause you know, we, we know English fluently, so we're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, we know the culture, the Canadian culture. Um, so it's like losing, I'm feeling like I'm losing a part of me. Um, yeah. slapping behind. Yeah,
1: exactly. Language connects us in so many different ways and it's mm. the key to having open and honest communication. So mm, yeah, language, or not knowing that language is a barrier to understanding people as much so I do have a lot of regrets in not maybe studying Mandarin as much because as a child and as an immigrant growing up I felt a lot of shame surrounding my status as an immigrant it felt like my culture and heritage was something foreign and something that was what alienated me from my other peers
0: yeah because
1: I don't know if you ever had this experience of bringing maybe like a uh, food from your native country <gasps> to school yeah. and then the kids maybe out of pure curiosity or something but it wasn't purely out of malice would mm. oftentimes make fun of your food ask questions surrounding it yeah. and you would just feel so much shame because you weren't eating I don't know like a white sandwich or something
0: <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> I'm like getting all emotional
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. so I think right now there is a lot of trauma and also a lot of work that we have to work around in terms of peeling the layers and understanding how we can reconnect with our culture because I felt so much shame that I didn't want to feel Asian or feel Chinese, Right. especially since I was one of the very few people of color in my school as well. And as much as I tried to fit in, I was visually different. mm
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. Especially when you are surrounded by, you know, people like my parents who didn't want to live in Iraq because they've been so traumatized. there. like, it's almost like they wanted to cancel their own culture. You know, they wanted to just be like, nope, this isn't who we are. And this is not who our kids are. And so it's like, wait, but I don't look white. Like I, I can't, I can't just assimilate and pretend I don't have this like Easternness about me, like what? That's like that's such a disadvantage to to being who you are completely, um, and, and you're kind of like like taking it away from your kids to to not be able to fully understand who they are when you yourself hate yourself. You know, like I think, oh man, it's such a big topic. Um, yeah, so I definitely feel you on that, um, and and feeling the shame or feeling the disconnection mm. purely because you just you don't understand who you are fully, right? Yeah. And you're not proud of it. You you can't. I don't know. You didn't get the chance to be proud of it. So Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So what at what time did you maybe work through your shame or at what time did you relearn mm. or develop maybe some pride surrounding your culture?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I think well the first time I felt a little bit of like guilt for not knowing enough was when I was called whitewashed at my church. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, mm-hmm. what does that even mean? Like, I hate that. Like, I'm trying to belong. Like I'm trying to fit in here. like, I, you know, I didn't even understand what made me so white. Was it the way I talk? Like, was it the way I dress? Like, what is it? And, and I found out that it was probably also because I just didn't know the Arabic language, you know, their jokes or the way they, um, talked about certain things. I didn't understand at that point was when the light bulb went off, like there's something off, like there's something that's not, not enough, like I'm not enough in some way. Mm. Um, And so that's when I probably started the quest of figuring out who I am and what, what I want to do uh, about it. Because yeah, I I think it's a disservice to yourself to just float through life, letting people tell you what you are. Um, versus understanding and being proud of who you are. So that was the journey. Um, And then I realized how traumatic it was also to be an immigrant, like even studying, because I studied in in school, a lot of um, like sociology and things like that. And so um, when I found out that it was even like a trauma to move to a whole new country as an immigrant, I was like, dang, like there's a lot to work
1: through. I totally agree. I think at some point you recognize what you're shamed about and you have this epiphany, I think at some point, you become more aware of your shame. As a child, I just kind of rejected my culture. And I didn't even realize that my rejection came from a place of shame Mm. and trying to fit in. It was more of something that I felt was an innate way to survive and Mm. fit in with my friends. Yeah. Or quote-unquote friends. And as I grew older, I had similar experiences with being called a xianjiao, which is a banana.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. I just learned something new. Mm-hmm.
1: Which, to give context, also means that I'm whitewashed because I'm now yellow on the outside, but very white on the inside.
0: Got it.
1: Yeah. So you're whitewashed as a banana.
0: Wow.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, see,
0: what does that even mean? Right?
1: <laughs> but I had a very similar experience in that I understood... After interacting with my family and going back to China uh, to visit my extended family that I had a really hard time communicating with them and fitting in. Not only because I maybe didn't have as much cultural understanding, but also because we had so much different values and beliefs Mm. now. Even though I could speak relatively fluently in Mandarin, I still had a disconnect with the people there.
0: Yeah, even when I like talk to my grandparents sometimes and they're, you know, they're in the West, they're here, but... It's still different. There's like, uh, I don't feel fully heard or fully understood. And, you know, it, maybe it's also the age difference or whatever. But I get the sense that a lot of the times it is a cultural thing. It's, it's an understanding. It's a misunderstanding, rather, that, uh, yeah, you're, you're different and you don't know how to relate fully to your culture. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: So what are some instances in which you try to unpack that misunderstanding and create more open communication now that you have more experience?
0: I think simply even just talking about it um, and sharing your thoughts with your family and and being uh, like admitting that we are different and trying to reconcile the two throughout life by participating in activities that might be a little bit more Eastern or um, while maintaining your Western individualism. Um, Yeah, but it's a hard question to answer because I'm still in it. Mm -hmm. I'm still in that journey.
1: Yeah. Me too. I feel like it's so hard to unpack because we're both going through a journey. Yeah. And I don't know if I'll ever be in a place where I'm comfortable enough to feel like this is where I feel settled. Right. Yeah. Because there's so much to unpack in terms of Western ideals about individualism and Eastern ideals about collectivism.
0: Yeah. And I bet even like mixed children, like I'm sensing of like I'm sort of having empathy for them because I'm like, oh, they probably had this their whole lives where they're like okay am i for example black and white you know that mix it's like am i black am i enough am i white enough am i black enough it's yeah i don't know if we'll ever be fully settled on that and we don't want to choose and so yeah it takes us to like individualism versus collectivism like trying to choose if you want to be a, like a little more um independent or surround yourself with more culture and people like mm-hmm. it's a lifestyle thing
1: it, it yeah. ends up being that and maybe we should contextualize individualism and collectivism. So in individualism, I feel like growing up in the West, I understood that people were very independent and that as much as you could love your family, people were living their separate lives. And once you became an adult, there was this degree of separation. Whereas for me and my upbringing, growing up as a Chinese immigrant, I understood that my family was there forever. And oftentimes we would stay past the age of 18 living at home. And that's Mm. a big privilege. I know that my parents will support me because they have this collectivism and this ideal that family should stay together and that there's this intergenerational quality towards growing up with your family. So what are some of the collective ideals that you've had and that you think are valuable to you currently?
0: Oh man, if I could just like dwell on how long it took for me to convince my parents that I want to move out oh my god not even just my parents, my whole community had something to say about it. It was ridiculous. I mean, I'm a Middle Eastern woman who wants to move out before she gets married and it's not for school. So it's like, what is she doing with her life? Like, why is she abandoning us? And it was so much conversation around that. Like, oh my gosh, the woman, of the like the little girl is leaving and, and this is awful and she's not going to be there for us and whatever. And there's still that sentiment sometimes where if I want to move further, even they're like, oh my God, we've lost her. Like... It's the sense of just like attachment that we have in the East. Even when I went to Jordan, I felt it and I I liked it. But at the same time, it's like my Western, my Westernness is tugging at me and I'm seeing how individualist people are and, and they're happy and traveling alone and doing all this stuff. And it's like, that's part of their culture in the West. And so I can't help but, but be dragged into that because I grew up with it, right? Like I went to school in the West, so I learned the Western values, Um, so a lot of, you know, our whiter friends, I guess they, they don't have a problem when they move out. It's like normal. Like at 18, you move out, you go to college and you get a job, you go on with your life, whether you're married or not. For us, it's like, what? like huge. Mm -hmm. So
1: yeah, there's so much of this inner conflict because as kids, we understood the Western society of being independent once you become an adult and we're so malleable and impressionable as children and picking up those values and ideals. But we also have a lot of understanding and empathy for our parents and how they feel. And oftentimes I still carry some of those values, such as connecting with my family and wanting to stay always present and maybe not being as far away. But there's always this sense of guilt also by Mm. Thinking that if you were to move away and go away in terms of a long-term commitment or even permanently, it feels more like abandonment.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's so... There's even more layer to that because... It you know you've matured faster than than you're supposed to as an immigrant like as an immigrant child I actually like studied this in one of my classes last year and it's it was a transition between childhood to adulthood and they found that immigrant children um, tend to mature faster because of how they've had to even just teach their parents how to thrive in a society that's not from where they're from even language teaching them language whatever and you know so it's like hey mom like dad like I'm trying to be mature. But you're not like it's like feeling like you're stifled, even though you have attained this level of like independence and adulthood. Um, So there is even more to more tension, more um, resentment building up as well. Um, I don't know if you found that in your own life, but yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I felt like as a child of an immigrant, as, as an immigrant yourself, you are forced to mature a lot more quickly and understand a way to fit in while also retaining the values of your parents and it's such a hard thing to do because I guess we're very privileged in the sense that because as studies have shown we came to Canada before the age of nine so we pick up English like native speakers mm. and we're relatively mm-hmm. fluent in it and most of us sound like we're native we don't have that kind of
0: disadvantage
1: yeah that kind of disadvantage between other types of immigrants like my parents right
0: let's say. my parents do mm-hmm
1: Mm -hmm. who I understand that there's a lot more limitations in terms of the opportunities that they can get after coming to Canada in their 30s because their English isn't as developed and as fluent. There's a lot of discrimination and racism towards that as well. For
0: sure. Yeah, I, I can remember countless experiences that my parents have had due to their just, you know, just being discriminated because of the way they either speak or, you know, their skin is a little bit less white than... Than what you would expect from a Canadian and I don't know it's yeah you you hold on to those memories and they kind of shape you too.
1: They really do because as a child you look at how your parents were discriminated against and had a lack of opportunities because of their race their culture and their language so then you grow up kind of internalizing those concepts yes. and you feel like now there's a desire to achieve whiteness instead because if you're fluent in english if you reject some of the cultural ideals if you don't have this and that that makes you a little bit more foreign a little bit more exotic then you're more accepted right and i know this is now a bit ironic because inclusivity is such a marketing scheme now in terms of making everyone more inclusive and including people and and diversity, exactly. So it's really funny because as a child I understood that diversity Mm. was something that was bad Mm. because my parents were part of that diversity and they got penalized for Mm. it. And that's how I internalized some of my culture and that's why there's so much shame And that's why there's so much embarrassment towards maybe reclaiming some of that culture. Right. And it wasn't really until I grew up and I recognized all of these misconceptions that I had towards my own heritage and my own culture that I found it so regretful that I didn't pursue more opportunities to learn Mm. Mandarin. I didn't pursue more opportunities to go back to China and reconnect with my family and even with my community. Yeah, yeah, because there's been studies showing that immigrant health actually decline the longer you stay in a country. Mm, so that's not your own. Yeah, that's not your own. So
0: interesting. Mm-hmm.
1: So this came from Atticle and Bedard from Demography. And it talks about how documented immigrants are actually in better health upon arrival to the US compared to their American counterparts and that health advantage erodes over time. And this is known as the healthy immigrant effect.
0: Wow, I'd love to dive like further into that cuz that's so interesting. Like, you know, you think that if you come from like a country that doesn't have healthcare or whatever, it doesn't have the best conditions, you know, I don't think the the, the like the air pollution in China or whatever like in, in the Middle East too, it's not the best. So, it's interesting that you would your, de- your health would even decline after moving to a country that you deem safe and healthy.
1: Yeah. Well, it talks a lot about community he- health too and how immigrants often find immigrant communities that help empower them and they work as a very close-knit group. Oh, yes. So, right? uh, I see that. Mm-hmm. And once you have that social connection, you're much more established and you watch out for each other and you look out for uh. each other. And as you assimilate into a country over time, you might lose some of that. And as your culture erodes, then there's a lot of other health disadvantages that come up. So it talks about how your BMI goes up. And I know BMI is not always the best indication, but it talks about your mental and physical Mm. health also lowering. This comes from self-reports from immigrants, but also looking at health conditions as well.
0: Oh, that's so cool. And that gives us so much to even dive further into because we realize that no country is perfect. You know, you're coming from your country to get a better life, but it's like, yeah, there's stuff we can work on here too. There's always a long, you know, more, more to advance. Um, And and so I also like take responsibility for my own country, um, not being able to provide, you know, the best lifestyle for their people. Like we're not just, you know, oh, Iraq is the best. and, And now I'm supposed to be Canadian. It's like, no, there's a lot that my people... Like I call them my people, because you know, just like people who grew up in Iraq. But like, there's a long way to go for us to be better. And so, but even in the West, there's a long way to go. I mean, just the other day, there was the the, the attempted coup in the in the states, and I was like, are we in Iraq or what? Like, this is <laughs> wild. So I think there's just so much um, that we are missing out on when we when we don't reflect enough on our identity and and where we are.
1: Yeah, but that's so true because it takes a lot to recognize. That there's so many problems in the U.S. and in Canada and Western society because we maybe escaped or left our original country for a yeah. better life. Maybe sometimes the quote-unquote American dream.
0: Right. Oh, my God. I saw a thing the other day that said, oh, my gosh. It was like... Um, Iraqi troops are now heading to the states to stabilize their country, and it had me dying. Obviously, not true, but it's just funny how you know full circle. So, yeah, it's really about it's really about the person at the end of the day, um, trying to maintain life with amongst everyone as well, like respecting each other, no matter how multicultural it is, no matter how different you are from somebody else, like it's trying to sustain each other. Um, And and I think collectivism is not the worst, you know, and while it being an individual and being independent is important. I think it's so good to have a little bit of both. You know? mm-hmm.
1: And I think there comes with a lot of misunderstandings surrounding the concept of collectivism and individualism, because oftentimes people in the West have a very Eurocentric view towards understanding what is a collectivist mm. view. So what is collectivism? in terms of a Eurocentric viewpoint, you're viewing it through a Western perspective oftentimes. So you're looking at it as if, let's say China, for example, the country I was born in, they oftentimes think that everyone's communist and everyone supports the Communist Party. Whereas if you take a maybe more ethnocentric view and looking at it from a Chinese perspective, I think that a lot of people in China actually recognize that the government isn't perfect and as much as there are criticisms that people don't openly voice right. against the government because there will be physical <laughs> repercussions <laughs> and mental and financial Thank repercussions God, live here. <laughs> yes all types of repercussions at the, at that expense they understand that they're trading that in for financial stability because China has had so much economic growth throughout this past few years and throughout the last couple decades that they understand that in terms of what's important to them, they would rather have an economically stable life. And in return, the government has a more control and more power. That's not really a perfect balance. But for Chinese people, it's something that a lot of people are willing to trade.
0: Mm, yeah, it is. It, it. I like that you say trade. It, it sometimes feels like a trade, which is so... It's so cool to look at it that way.
1: Right. Because like Western democracy isn't perfect, no, right? No, not at if all. If you look at America, systemic racism, and even in Canada too, systemic racism, discrimination still mm. runs rampant.
0: I do want to say about that topic really quickly. It's such a good one because, you know, when immigrants, the immigrant, they don't really think about the history of that land or whatever they just kind of go so that they can get a life like they they just need that safety they their primary needs are very influential of their decision making right so when when you get here and you realize oh actually people don't want to celebrate canada 150 here you know what i mean it's like what what's that about like why wouldn't you be thankful to be canadian like i love this land i love the opportunities it's given me like what so it's very confusing for immigrants and canada has a lot of immigrants so I'm seeing that like even indigenous, um, the problems that they're facing are not being heard mostly because people are still sort of in that immigration phase where they're not even listening because they don't, they don't even think that what, what, what was done was awful because of the country that they are living in now, which is granting them so much. Right. So I think that's such an interesting topic because, you know, I, I was in a class once and I, you know, they were talking about it and they said we shouldn't celebrate it. And I said, yeah, that's, yeah. Now that I'm an immigrant who understands, it's taken me 15 years to understand. And that's because I was in school. So I don't, I can't even imagine what people, um, how how they're wrapping their heads around those problems.
1: Yeah, that's true. Because I feel like my parents are grappling with their own internal conflict upon facing racism and canada Mm. and they think that even then canada provides a lot of opportunities so it's very hard to understand the context behind the discrimination and the abuse and the oppression that indigenous people have faced throughout the years and that maybe sometimes it's not always best to celebrate canada day because it's actually rooted in a lot of suffering Mm. and in a lot of oppression for a certain group of marginalized people
0: yeah but it's like you can't expect people right now to even kind of turn the gears in their own heads because they're still stuck in trauma like they're still processing I can't imagine my parents thinking about this right now while they're still stuck in so much that's happened to them Um, yeah so it's like we, we can do better still though now that we have an understanding it's part of our identity now like we're 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 supposed to be helping um, in the history of this land because we live in it and we are citizens and we care. So, like, I mean, I guess this is home right now. Um, And I think wherever you go, if you make it home, you should take care of it. And so that Mm -hmm. means taking care of the people, the original inhabitants or whatever. So, But it's an interesting topic.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and in terms of having these values and having these understandings, Do you think that for the next generation, potentially if either of us have children, we would be able to pass them on more? Or do you feel like our culture erodes more as we stay in Western society for longer?
0: Um, I think we're heading in a good direction because I know that there's a lot more people who are, you know, woke. In terms of, like, you know, there are problems that we need mending and reconciliation a lot more. So I think I would pass that on to my children. I'd be like, hey, we're actually on land that's not even ours. Um, and, And honestly, like, a lot of my understandings of this stuff is also rooted in, like, faith and, like, understanding that, you know, we are not here forever. Like, this is just somewhere we need to take care of and we need to respect the nature as much as the people. So I think I would educate my kids in that way. Like, you need to know the history so we don't repeat it. We need to know how people want to be treated. We need to know, you know, how you want to be treated. So I think, yeah, I think we're, we're headed in a good direction.
1: So you feel like faith helps ground you in terms of how you view your perspective and how you're going to pass it on to your yeah. kids. But I guess in terms of your Iraqi culture and um, some of the heritage surrounding that, do you feel like it would be lost a bit more because Mm. you can't or because let's say like you and i were not as educated on our native language and we're not as educated on our Mm. culture either do you feel like that aspect would be lost so they might understand and gain more cultural context but they might lose some of that cultural heritage that we received from our parents
0: yeah i honestly think I fear that it's going to stop at my generation. Like my Iraqiness is going to stop here. Mm, me too. Right? Like oh my god, it's such a fear cuz I don't can't pass down the language. I barely know it. Like what? I can't pass down the culture. I barely know how to cook the meals like <laughs> so I think that's a huge like like it really snaps you into reality like oh my gosh, my like one part of my identity might actually die like in the next generation and I can't really do anything about it right now. I mean, I could, but do I want to, is there, is there meaning behind it is, you know, what if I marry someone who's not from my culture, you know, which is highly likely like we're in such a multicultural society now. Like what if, you know, their culture is more um, influential on them? And is that a problem? Like, I don't think, you know, like that's,
1: yeah, it's such a strange concept to think about because I think as a kid, Just looking at my parents' experience, I was taught that whiteness was good because whiteness means you don't get discriminated against. Mm. And as I've, I've learned and experienced throughout life, I understand that there is so much pride in my culture and my heritage. And as much as I understand that, if I pass it on to the next generation, it becomes more distilled because they don't grow up in that culture. At least I've had experiences of growing up in China, I understand that my parents pass so much of that on to me. But then what I can pass on becomes minimized.
0: Right. And then
1: my kids become more and more white and more and more whitewashed.
0: And it's like, is that a bad thing? Like, I can't even gauge anymore. Like, what is, what am I? What is good? What is not? Like, but I, I do remember, I, I think, I think the word assimilating has a very negative connotation now. I mean, years ago. I had stumbled upon my mom's reading from one of her classes. She was doing social work and it was like a whole thing outlining, outlining the process of assimilation into Canadian culture. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so cool. Like I, I can like distinctly like remember these like sort of feelings of first being shocked or whatever. And then, you know, and so, but now I'm like, I don't think that's such a great thing. Like I think you, you lose some of you when you do that. So
1: yeah, because honestly, that kind of reminds me of assimilation in terms of indigenous exactly, people. Exactly. And yeah. how they had schools that actually just took away their culture yeah. and only taught them about white culture. Right. And all of them didn't even grow up with their language because they were only indoctrinated in knowing right. the white language, which was English.
0: So it's like, did I choose this, or did I did I conform? Like, whoa, what's happening here? You know. So there's just I'm so glad I have years left in my life. Hopefully, God, knock on wood, God love me a little bit longer. Um, I I can work this out over the next couple of years. You know. Yeah. Wow. What a good conversation.
1: Mhm. Yeah. So much to talk about. So I guess in terms of all of those experiences, how do you feel like you stand in your current identity, living? Through your immigrant experience and also living in a Western society, do you feel like you have a better sense of belonging or do you feel like you're still learning?
0: I'm definitely still learning and I'm happy about it. I think I'm hopeful for the future. You know, there's, there's more of a sense of I want to be awakened. I want to be... Um, taught more about both sides. I, I, what if I end up moving to like Europe for the rest of my life? Like then do I have to, you know, so it's like I can't even dwell on it too much because I don't know what the future holds. You know, what if I become Australian? I don't know. Like, or like live on a boat in the middle of nowhere. Like am I, am I one with the ocean? Like I don't know. <laughs> it's so hard to say. But right, what you're about you? An open mind. Yeah, I am keeping an open mind. Yeah.
1: I think that for me, I do feel like I now have more security in terms of who I am and my identity and my sense of self. As a kid, I felt so conflicted because there was this rejection of culture and this shame and fear around being too Asian and being too Chinese. Mm. And as I've grown up, I've regained pride and i've been able to regain a lot of the lost understanding and knowledge behind that cultural heritage by educating myself by talking to other people who have experienced similar situations by interacting and reaching out more to my parents and to my family who's still living Mm. in china and by even going back to china i feel like I am now much more open to accepting both sides of who I am. And because of my perspective, I can recognize that there's both benefits and positives to living in Canada, and there's benefits and positives to living in China as well. And there's values in both of our beliefs and both of our ideals. And I'm still growing as a person. Mm. So I'm open to the possibility of learning more and hopefully gaining even more of a sense of self and seeing just where life takes me.
0: Yeah, ditto. Yeah, throughout my travels, like the closest I've been to the middle to Iraq is the Middle East, which is Jordan, like Israel, Palestine. And so yeah, I can see that there's good there too. And and it's not I can't I don't wanna reject either things that have made me who I am. You know, I wanna kind of be comfortable with them, um, and like cruise. Cruise on, like keep learning, keep keep growing. Like that's what it's all about, I think.
1: So on that note, We hope that for anyone who's listening, you were able to learn a bit more about our experiences growing up as immigrants and maybe learn something new about what it means to have different types of heritage and different types of education and different types of values and beliefs by growing up in a Western society while having different values. Mm -hmm.
0: Hopefully some of them, you know, resonated as well. And we'd love to hear some of your stories. Like we know everyone has a story and it's important to share. Otherwise we wouldn't even be here. Um, So let us know. We'd love to learn um, and grow even like in community with people who have had similar experiences. It's important to surround yourself, you know, with, with people that understand you. So yeah. On that note, Thanks for listening. Can't wait to continue the conversation. And we'll see you next time from A to Z.
1: Bye.